I think uh, more and more some of the Thanksgivings that are happening are going like this. People being vegans, gluten-free, tested, fish tested for mercury. But we had a great time. We, uh, we had some dear friends of ours from Savannah visiting with us, the Brewster family. Just want to introduce, we have three of them here. Just want to introduce, where are they? Somewhere, oh, there they are, the Brewster family. I think uh, a lot of you know them. They uh, have been in New York for, had been in New York for many, many decades. And uh, it's always great to have great friends visiting. Uh, but this also was a Thanksgiving of other celebrations as well. Uh, we uh, introduced, but no one got to see her. Uh, Carla Heredia got baptized. Carla, can you stand up and wave? Wave really big. Really big. She's all the way back there. There we go. So she got baptized a couple weeks ago, uh, lives in Sleepy Hollow, a part of that Bible discussion, and it's really great to have her in the kingdom. And we were able to introduce Rich Fabian, but we were not able to introduce his wife who wasn't feeling well. So can I have the whole Fabian family stand? Rich and Tara Lise were baptized a couple weeks ago, way back there, way, way back there. And Rich is holding their brand new daughter, Sarah. So they are very, very grateful. Uh, but the gratitude doesn't end there. This is a season of Thanksgiving. Not only do we have friends visiting, baptisms to introduce, but we even have an engagement to introduce. Susanna McCarthy was proposed to by Rob Westervelt. So can I have them stand up? Oh, I'm sorry. So we are very, very grateful. Uh, to see all that God is doing. Congratulations to Susanna and Rob. Uh, we are so, so excited about that. And to the Fabian family, to Carla, and uh, all the people that are starting to study the Bible, who have been studying the Bible, even considering becoming Christians. Uh, this is definitely the most important decision of your life, and it is the most exciting uh, decision of your life. Today we want to talk about gratitude. Uh, I didn't get to do a Thanksgiving message, so... Uh, this is my shot to give a Thanksgiving message. Turn over to Luke chapter 17. I want to start out, though, by uh, reading something that Ben Stein wrote. Ben Stein is uh, an actor. Uh, he is an author. Some would call him an activist as well. He uh, was writing in the New York Times, asked to write about the subject of being rich. What's it like to be rich? How do you become rich? Because Ben Stein definitely is a rich man, has done a lot in his life. The first I ever heard of him was in the movie Ferris, Day, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was one of the professors. Bueller. Bueller. So this is what he wrote on being rich. I have found that I cannot predict the stock market except over very long periods. I cannot tell you when the housing bubble will burst only that it will burst. I cannot tell you when the dollar will stop rallying, only that it will stop. So I cannot tell you anything that in a few minutes will tell you how to be rich. But I can tell you how to feel rich, which is better by far. Let me tell you firsthand than being rich. Be grateful. Be grateful about everything. And you'll feel a whole lot richer than the billionaires I know who are always moaning about everything that happens 
and who lament like King Canute that they cannot control the waves of the market or the business cycle. So Ben Stein certainly is into a secret. We probably will never be rich, but you can sure feel rich by being grateful. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about gratitude. Let's talk about something we can achieve, which is gratitude. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. I'm going to study about some lepers. Luke 11, I'm sorry, 17, verse 11. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was the Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. It's a great event. Ten lepers screaming to be healed, crying out in a loud voice, Jesus, have pity on us. But only one came back. Only one demonstrated that same heart that all ten had had when they were screaming to be healed. Only one came back and screamed gratitude. Wow, that's rather shocking. I mean, I think all of them were grateful, don't you, to be healed from leprosy? It's hard for us to relate to this, but in the first century, having leprosy was practically a death sentence in many ways, certainly a social death sentence. Your best friends would have to be fellow lepers because people were so concerned that you were so highly contagious that you had to stand at a distance. That was law. You had to stand at a distance and cry out, I'm a leper, I'm a leper. You had to even cover your face. They had leper colonies, leper places where only the lepers could gather. Getting leprosy was horrible. You were an outcast. You were shunned. You were living without hope of ever being healed. Lepers weren't healed. At least that's what it looks like biblically. And you were facing one of the worst possible death sentences, a slow death from the outside in. And so it's rather shocking to me that only one leper that got healed felt the necessity to come back and insist on finding Jesus and insist on crying out in a loud voice, praise and thanks to the one who healed him. You know, as it turns out, though, how many really got healed? Well, it depends on what we're talking about, I suppose. How many really got healed? Only one. How many got healed of their leprosy? Ten. How many got healed the real healing? 
Only one. You know, Jesus had a plan. Here's the plan. Heal the temporary. What's that? The body. Heal the body. This was the plan. Step number one, heal the body. Step number two, wait. Wait for what? Wait for them to come back because, of course, if you're a leper and you get healed, this is a miracle. This is a huge miracle. This didn't happen every day. This was almost unheard of. It's not recorded in the Bible that lepers were healed. So we don't know of any cases where they were. So this was astonishing. So, of course, this is going to happen. Because if you've been living your whole life with leprosy and suddenly you're healed, you are changed. And you're going to talk about it. You're going to be overwhelmed with gratitude. You're going to be crying. You're just going to be so grateful for this. And so, of course, you're coming back. And then the third part of the plan was to heal the rest of the man. You see, there's more than just the outward leprosy, as Beam was talking about. On the outward, he looked good. But as Beam shared during the communion message, on the inside, he was a proud sinner. He knew of the sin, but it wasn't as bad as him or him or her. Until he faced the cross and then realized, wait a minute, I'm as bad as everybody. I'm as bad as a murderer. Leprosy's nothing compared to what's going on in here. Leprosy is just an outward thing. Sin can affect your eternal destination. So just because you're healed of leprosy, well, that's temporary. It's great. But what Jesus is really after is to the third step. This is what Jesus really wants is to not just heal your outward, not just to heal the leprosy, but to, but to truly heal you. To truly heal the sin, the life, the lies, the pride, the anger, the frustration, the bitterness. He wants to heal the inside of the person. How many people fit the plan? Step number one, step number two, step number three. How many people made it? Just one. Wow. That's sad. You know... Jesus could have healed uh, all men, all ten men of their leprosy right there on the spot, right? Couldn't he have done that? The lepers were crying out, Jesus, have, have master, have pity on us. Couldn't he have just healed their leprosy right then and there? Said, okay, you're healed, bye. But instead he had this wonderful plan that he wanted to do. Jesus actually could have forgiven them of their sins instantly. As he did with the man with the shriveled hand, he actually forgave that man his sins before he even healed the outward. Jesus was very creative. Jesus had a plan for everybody. And Jesus healed everybody seemingly in a very different way. So here Jesus wanted to teach these ten men a lesson. He knew one was a Samaritan, but he healed all ten. He didn't just heal the, the Israelites. He also healed the Samaritan. He treated them all the same. So he had a plan. He didn't want to heal them instantly right on the spot. He wanted them to go. And as they were leaving and going to see the priest, what happened? Does the Bible say? As they were on their way to see the priest, they were healed. Then they had to go see the priest to present themselves to the priest as the law dictated. 
to then be accepted back into society and then come back. Jesus wanted to test him. With their insistence on getting cleansed and healed and their crying out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. With that same intensity, that same desire, that same drive to get your prayer answered. Would it be returned with gratitude? It was a test. Would they have the same response of heart that they demanded Jesus have for them? You know, honestly, it's amazing to me that only one came back. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Do you know how bad leprosy is? Maybe we don't know. I'm, I'm sure you probably have never. I have never met a leper, but I have some pictures. I have, I have a description of what leprosy is like. It's, it's not a good condition. It's not like having a headache or a migraine or a limp or being in a wheelchair. Let me just read a description of leprosy by the biologist, Dr. Alan Gillian, who's an expert in leprosy. This is what he says about leprosy. Leprosy is a disease of the nervous system. Its symptoms start in the skin and peripheral nervous system outside the brain and the spinal cord, then spread to other parts such as the hands, the face, the feet, and the earlobes, patients with leprosy experience disfigurement of the skin and bones, twisting of the limbs, and curling of the fingers to form that characteristic claw hand. Even facial changes happen. That include thickening of the outer ear and collapsing of the nose. Tumor-like growths called lepromas may form on the skin and in the respiratory tract. And the optical nerve may deteriorate. The largest number of deformities develop from the loss of pain sensation due to extensive nerve damage. For instance, inattentive patients can pick up a cup of boiling water without flinching. They can actually put their hand right inside a fire without feeling a thing. They can get burned without even knowing it. Leprosy destroys the nerve endings that carry pain signals. Therefore, patients with advanced leprosy experience a total loss of physical pain. When these people cannot sense touch or pain, they tend to injure themselves or be unaware of injury. In fact, some leprosy patients have had their fingers eaten off by rats in their sleep because they were totally unaware of it happening. The lack of pain receptors could not warn them of the dangers. So this is what their life was like. And they were healed? Wow. Luke 17:11 says, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Picture, just try to picture what what this must have been like from this to this. Go back again to the other one. From this, from this to this. Now, how would you feel? 
What would your emotions be? What would, what would your desires be? What would your thoughts be? What would your, your, your dreams be, your, your, your imagination? Where would it take you if you were suddenly healed of leprosy? It's amazing. In verse 16, it says one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Ten lepers screaming to be healed, and only one screamed back. Only one was eternally cleansed, forgiven of his spiritual leprosy. You know, why and how on earth did they, how could you not go back and thank the man that healed you of leprosy? What, what excuse could there be? Was it too far? Were they too busy? No Google Maps? I mean, there's, there's, there's no excuse for this. So what's the takeaway point for us? Why, why are we here talking about this today? Where none of us have probably had leprosy. None of us have been healed of leprosy. So what does this have to do with us? Well, let me ask this question. How often have you screamed a request to God? How often have you been in that same position as the lepers, screaming in prayer, crying out in prayer, begging in prayer, pleading in prayer, laying it all out in prayer, and then God answers the prayer, and you're like, thanks, on to the next request. I've done it. I think all of us have done it. I think to me it appears that the eternal healing that was happening here, which all, all ten needed spiritual healing, it turns out it was conditional. It depended on their response to being physically healed. It looks like faith without expressed gratitude, without something happening, is no faith at all. The true faith, the genuine faith, is proven or shown with great levels of praise and thanks. So it makes us wonder, makes me think about my faith. It should make us all think about our faith. Do we have that faith that heals or we just have a simple gratitude that we learn from being polite at tables? What I want personally, I want this kind of healing. I want the internal kind. I want the healing all the way in. To me, it's not that important about the external. What really counts is what's deep down inside our hearts. And I think we all know how tortured we can get deep down inside. Some of us have struggled deeply with bitterness. Disappointment, anger, frustration. We can even get bitter at God because we don't seem to get what we want quickly enough. Those are the things that need to get healed. What is the bottom line? What does Jesus really want here from us? I think he wants us healed. And you know, as it turns out, even the world knows that gratitude has healing properties. The gratitude actually can change your body chemistry 
and actually heal your body. Isn't that amazing? Listen to this. This is uh, from Dr. Robert Emmons, a professor of psychology at UC Davis, and he specializes in gratitude, how gratitude physiologically changes your body and actually heals you physiologically. Let me just, uh, he, he describes a 10-week research project that he carried out with three groups. One group, okay, listen to this, one group wrote five things they were grateful for each week. They just wrote it down on a piece of paper each week, five things they were grateful for. Another group recorded five hassles of the week, and a third group simply listed five events that had occurred in the last week with no focus on positive or negative aspects. When all the results were tallied, those doing daily gratitude exercises reported higher levels of alertness, enthusiasm, determination, optimism, and energy. The gratitude group also experienced less depression, less stress. They felt more loved, were more likely to help others out. They exercised more regularly and made more progress toward personal goals. I think we all want this, don't you? I mean, this is the list. This is what we want. This is what we're praying for. God, give us, give me more enthusiasm. Give me more optimism. Give me more energy. Give me less depression. I don't want this stress. I want to feel more loved. And Jesus says, yes, you can have it. Get more grateful. Get more grateful. Yeah, but Lord, all this stuff happened. My... Get more grateful. Yeah, but you don't understand. Get more grateful. Really, all it should take is one answered prayer for us to be grateful, right? I mean, think of the biggest prayer that you can think of where God answered this prayer, where you were pleading and you were asking God to answer this prayer, and He answered that prayer. Can you, can, I can think of one. Can you, how many people can think of one? A big prayer that was answered. A big prayer. Big prayer. Keep holding your hands up. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a little incredulous here. I see a lot of hands down. I think, I think probably all of us can think of a big prayer that was answered by God. How do you feel? How do you feel about that answered prayer? Huh? Whoo! I don't think we're there yet. And not that I want to lead some cheer or some rally or anything, but I, I do want to ask how you're feeling in your heart. About that answer prayer. How do you feel about answer prayer? Yeah. 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 You ready to go back and praise God in a loud voice? I don't know what the closing song is going to be, but I sure hope it's going to be rowdy. I think we need some more gusto. I think we need some more praise. I think we need some more yes. Well, but yeah, but that answer prayer was 10 years ago. Yeah, I think we've hit it right there. Yep, that was 10 years ago. Yeah, but that was a minor thing. Yeah, but that was for someone else. But yeah, what are we looking for? What are we looking for from Jesus? Are we so selfish? That we, well, that was 10 years ago? You know, for God, there is no time. God lives outside of time. And so it means that judgment has no time. It means that whether we're good or bad has no time. It means that whether we sin or not, or whether we even become a Christian, is that we're still sinners. We still 
get answered prayers. God answers prayers of even the worst of the worst. Think about it. God answered the prayer of the tax collector rather than the Pharisee. God answered the prayer of Samson when he stood at the temple with each hand on either pillar. And I tell you, I don't know a bigger sinner than Samson. Do you? And God answered that prayer. God answers prayer. But what do we do with that? Do we just chalk it up to answer prayer, check, and move on with our list of requests? I think sometimes, or maybe all the times, we need to flip those lists. Rather than praying through the list of all the requests, we need to take that list of answered prayers and pray through that. God, thank you for that prayer and that prayer and that prayer. Thank you for that request and that request and amen. You know, you might just break down in tears going through a list like that. Let me ask you, what's going to bring this? The many requests or the gratitude for the answered prayers? Let's not have Thanksgiving be just one day. Let's have it be our lives. You know, I think we may maybe need to do this thing that Dr. Emmons did, don't you? This gratitude thing. You know, they only did it once a week. They, they wrote down things they were grateful for once a week. And look at the results in their life from only writing it down once a week. Can I make a suggestion? Can we try this? But, but let's try this not once a week. Let's do it every day. So here's what I'm proposing. Every night before bed... Let's write down three to five things that we're really grateful for. Every night before bed. Let's just write them down on a piece of paper or put it on your your phone or your electronic device somewhere where you can review it because you need to review it. So let's write it down. Three to five things that you're really grateful for. And it, it doesn't have to be big things. It can even be things that created positive emotions in you or positive emotions in those around you maybe you help someone at work get something done maybe somebody at work helped you get something done maybe you had a good laugh maybe somebody told you a joke that really made you you know laughter is good medicine it's not just an expression it's true laughter creates those chemicals inside you that help your body heal maybe you had a good conversation Maybe you, you shared your faith and it was really good. Maybe you made somebody smile. Maybe somebody opened the door for you. It doesn't have to be big things. I think all of us can think of at least three to five things each day that do that. Now, what's the goal? What is the goal of this exercise? I mean, it is biblical because we're commanded to be grateful for all things. So it's not just that it's a biblical exercise, but it's really a healing exercise as well. Because it's going to help reprogram your brain. I think most of us are very well programmed with the negative. As New Yorkers, we're very good at complaining. We're very good at complaining. As New Yorkers. I know a few of you are from Connecticut. I don't know how it works there. I've never lived there. Seems very quaint. But as New Yorkers, 
We have trained ourselves to be very, very good at complaining. Let me give you an illustration. I've done this before, but I like the illustration. As a New Yorker, you greet someone. Hey, how are you? I am fine. You, at, you almost always have to say that, even though it might be a lie. How are you? I am about the only time allowed for you to not respond with I am fine is if somebody has died or something incredibly horrible has just happened. And I mean, it has to be pretty bad for you to not respond, I am fine. But that is exactly where the niceties end. The next response is nearly always negative. Right? Everybody's really quiet. How are you? I am fine. Yeah, but those Yankees should have been in the World Series. What's going on here? Yeah, but you know, Ed, it, it, you know, I love the warm weather, but boy, it got so cold, didn't it? I mean, I had to wear a coat today to church. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, 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 I'm fine. But you know what? I think I ate too much for Thanksgiving. I really feel guilty. It just, you know, it's the second response and continuing, actually, and continuing. Yeah, you're right. Man, you know, the Nets and yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the Giants and yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything else seems to be a monologue or a dialogue of nothing but complaining. It seems like the typical New York conversation centers around all that's bad, all that's negative, all that's wrong, all that should be corrected or changed or opinions. We all are become armchair quarterbacks about life, experts about what should be or what ought to be or what I'd like or what isn't. We are so horrible. We are so horrible at good news that picture this, picture this. How are you? I am fine. And then you decide in this conversation that you're going to say absolutely nothing negative. How are you? I am fine. In fact, life couldn't be better. In fact, it's just amazing. I've just got the most wonderful family. I've just got the most beautiful wife. My kids are amazing. Thanksgiving was incredible. I had great friends over. We just laughed and laughed. We actually went into the city, saw some really, really cool things. And, and I'm feeling great. And, and I just, my, my spirit's just refreshed. And what's the other guy doing? Doesn't know how to react. Actually stunned. What are you taking? Because something's wrong, right? Something's wrong when you have a conversation and it's all positive. Something's really wrong here with this person. Or, and we get worried. We, I'll pray for you. I mean, am I not speaking the truth here? We really think something's wrong. We've become so jaded, so accustomed to complaining that when it doesn't happen, we're fish out of water. We don't know what to say. I'm so happy for you. And yet, doesn't the Bible tell us to be that? Isn't God sending a message with all our physical sicknesses that something else might be wrong other than missing a pill? 
Isn't God trying to scream at us that there's more to life than complaining? And face it, how's it working for you anyway? It's not improving you. It's not putting a smile on your face. It doesn't make you feel better. It's wearing down your body physically, and I don't know what on earth all those bad chemicals are doing to your, to your physical nature and giving all the wrinkles that you're looking in the face and complaining about the wrinkles and looking for the next cream to take care of them. What if it's not a cream? What if it's an attitude? What if what we really need to be physically healed, spiritually healed, emotionally healed is just gratitude? It's too good to be true. I think so many of us, it can't be that. We need an expert to tell us. I think we just got that here in the Bible, don't you? Isn't Jesus an expert? Didn't Jesus say what healed the man? What healed that Samaritan? He got an outward cleaning. That was nothing. What healed him? What really healed him? It was the change that happened in his heart. It was the gratitude that welled up. It was realizing what had really happened. It was the decision to go back and find Jesus. I don't know where Jesus was. He didn't know where Jesus was. Jesus was on the move. He had to find Him. He had to locate Him without Google Maps. But He did it. He found Him. He located Him. He praised Him. He worshipped Him. He thanked Him in a loud voice. And Jesus said, Now you are healed because you're grateful. Yeah, I think honestly we need to do more than that research project. I think we need to change our fellowship. What do you think of that? What are you going to say? Well, Jim took away all the stuff I wanted to say. You know, the more you practice gratitude, the more powerfully affecting your life will be. And, and this is the reason I wanted to preach this. I'll tell you the reason I wanted to preach this. I can't say the whole thing. I'll just say a little bit. God has put something on my heart about Westchester. So I'll just say a little bit about it. That I think it's God's mission for us to grow. And to attract attention. But in order to do that, we're going to have to become someone different. It it can't be business as normal. Because how's that working for us? So it's going to have to be a radical change that we make in order for us to glow. But I really think, think about it, just gratitude alone, just gratitude by practicing gratitude and getting all those chemicals going in your body, those good chemicals flowing in your body, healing your entire being, healing your emotions, healing everything, just getting that flowing. Think about that, how you become someone different. And suddenly you're just filled with gratitude at work and you're filled with gratitude wherever you go. And people are going to start noticing. What is up with you? Oh, let me tell you about it. And they're going to be... But some are like, 
I want that. I want that. So I think that, you know, we need to have some conviction here that our life has to change and we got to get grateful. I'm not talking about more grateful. I'm talking about get grateful. I'm talking about the Samaritan that came back and was overwhelmed with gratitude. And I believe, now this is just me guessing, but my guess is that that Samaritan lived the entire rest of his life with the same level of gratitude that he had at the beginning. That that same answered prayer created in him a gratitude that welled up and that every single person he met, he just expressed gratitude in the power of God. I think we need to change and become grateful. And to leave our New Yorker ways, and I don't know about Connecticut, and become grateful. Become people that the first thing you say is positive, the second thing you say is positive, and the third thing as well. I'm not saying to sweep stuff onto the carpet. I'm not saying to just sugarcoat and be candy. No, no, be real. If you find yourself having to sugarcoat, then you're not changed. If you feel like you're just acting, then you're not changed. That's why I say let's not become, let's, this is not a self-improvement plan where we just get some positive energy going or just hopeful expectation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a change of your character where you become a grateful person, where it just flows out naturally. I believe we'll address the issues that need to get addressed. I really believe that. But we've got to become grateful. We've got to learn to be grateful. We've got to spend time in prayer being grateful. Praise and adoration. Praise and adoration. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Praise adoration. A couple supplications. Praise and adoration. That needs to be our prayer. So let's start today. Let's start today. I want you to, to picture again the biggest answered prayer you ever had that fired you up. That prayer was answered and you were like, yes! <laughs> Why don't you go back to that? Can you picture it? The goal is to try to feel it too. Try to feel it. And let's get some of this Samaritan energy going on here. Because Jesus said the path to healing is through gratitude. So I think we need that today for our fellowship. You ready for this? For our fellowship, everything positive. Can we do that? I know. Okay, a time. Okay, so until, until 10 to 12. Okay. Some of you are going, well, we have serious stuff to talk about. Can we do it for at least half an hour? And those that don't absolutely have to talk about something, can we do it longer? Can we maybe even spend today doing it? You know, whatever is possible. Let's just make a commitment right now how long we're going to do it. And that might be different for each person. I don't want to be legalistic here. But we're going to start, we're going to have a song, right? So I'm going to get the song leaders, come on up. Song leaders, can come on up. We're going to do a closing song. 
Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, we have contributions. But they were really nice about reminding me. They had the baskets back there going like this. I am so grateful for, for the ushers. So grateful for the ushers! <laughs> so, the service will continue. But after the service, when we stand up, let's just spend the next half an hour minimum just talking about what we're grateful for. Amen? Amen. You've just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nycococ.net.